Hello, you are listening to Cheers from the Press Box, the Beanie Boys back. I am your host, Joe Dorville, sitting here with my boy, Brandon Tassif. What's going on, man? What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. We had a wild weekend in sports. Uh, wild. There's of- a lot going a on. Lot. <laughs> so much. We do two shows a week for those that are uninitiated. Um, but we but are today initiated. we'll be recapping Sunday. Uh, well, up top, we're going to recap Sunday. Brennan, uh, give me some of your thoughts on some of these games. Um, so, do you want to? What do you want to do first when it yeah, comes to Sunday? Say, you want to talk about that, football? That was, that was a terrible job by me. Um, Start us off in the NFL. Where? Okay, you I was going to say a lot happened. There's a lot to get to between Stanley Cup Finals, Clippers firing coaches. But let's start with the NFL. Um, my big takeaway from the NFL, not only Sunday, but uh, I know we talk about it on our Thursday show, uh, disappointment. Obviously, I'm a huge Jags fan, so I am going to talk about that up top <laughs> a little bit. Uh, just disappointed uh, with how that worked out. But let's talk more about what happened today. Um, Aaron Rodgers is very upset uh, with yeah. the drafting of Jordan Love and no wide receivers around him. Yep. He looks like he is going to take it amongst himself to kind of will this team to like a, a 12 and four or 13 and three record. Like he does not, he won't be denied. He won't be denied. And he's in a division that is fraudulent uh, all around him. So that's a guaranteed six wins right there. Yeah. Especially cause um, the Vikings are trash. I don't, I don't know. I don't like to say any team's a bad team three weeks into the season, especially after well, not having an off season. But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But yeah, the Aaron Rodgers in the division. Let's think about it. So Aaron Rodgers is going against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, who Kirk. have looked awful. Um, yeah, they sub Dalvin. Yeah, uh, Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions, which actually showed some sign of li- signs of life, which we'll get to later. Kind of eat that win yesterday. And then the Bears, which are three and zero, but going through all their turmoil. So I think the, fraudulent is, I think, the best word to describe it. And you said that perfectly. I think. The division itself is fraudulent, I, but I think the Green Bay Packers are for real in that division. I think the Packers are for real. The Packers are for real because there was no Devontae Adams, and Rodgers had no problem tossing the ball to a couple of guys. I don't even know the name, literally. Uh, a couple of tight ends that I don't know if they were even on the depth chart last year. Uh, and then, one of them was on the uh, Jaguars uh, practice squad in 2008. Mar- no, 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 no. I'm talking about... Um, oh, one God. of the no-name guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was uh, <laughs> on the Jaguars practice squad in 2018 as an undrafted free agent. We let oh, him nice. go. And Aaron Rodgers made him look like he was an all-pro. An all-pro. Pro. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Goddamn yeah, Rodgers. He literally brought up off Lazar, the practice that's squad I'm last about. year. So... Yeah, no, Rodgers looks fucking primed for an MVP caliber season at this point so far. So the number one question is, it's like chicken or the egg. So is Aaron Rodgers playing like this because they drafted Jordan Love in the first round? Or if they drafted a wide receiver, would he be playing differently? Would he be have this much anger and animosity towards Matt LaFleur and the Packers organization? 
Well, I think if they draft a receiver, his numbers may look better. But I think, yeah, drafting Jordan Love, uh, I don't think he has any love left in his heart for this organization. And he wants to shove it down their throats and uh, show them that they wasted a pick for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I completely agree. I think it's one of those things. But it's just it's weird to think about because, you know, what if they did take, you know, CD Lamb or Ruggs or somebody like that? Yeah. Would he would he still have the same numbers? Because he Aaron everyone knows this. Aaron Rodgers, when he gets mad, is a very vengeful person. Yeah, but I mean, if he I I think he would prefer to throw it to CD Lamb than fat number eighty seven. Uh yeah, <laughs> and that's what it says on the back of his jersey, fat number 87. Um, <laughs> but on the other side of Sunday Night Football, uh, we had uh, my nemesis at this point, uh, Mr. Drew Brees. Uh, you hate you this guy. I don't, looked? ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> listening to Cheers Look, from the Press I Box, <laughs> I don't know what Drew Brees did to Joe Dorville, <laughs> but since we've started this podcast, literally his first take on the first episode was the washed bowl, and that was Drew Brees and Tom Brady. So take it away, Joe. Let's talk about how Drew Brees only had 4.6 total air yards for the game. <laughs> Is that act? Is was that the number? Or are you just making yeah, four point six. Uh, his oh, total wow. average air yards was four point six per uh, per pass oh. attempt. I was gonna come in and say he uh, he attempted no pass over twenty yards, which is really hard to do in the NFL, at least at this stage of the NFL. And if not for Kamara's break off of that short pass, that accounted for fifty seven uh fifty seven of his yards. His stats look totally mediocre and pedestrian. Did you see that play He's, in live time? I did not know. It was so bizarre. I saw the recap. It was insane. Yeah, he like I was at down work in the I, middle of the play and then yeah, takes off. I was again. at work and I was like sitting by the bar, like waiting for a drink to get made. And I looked up and I saw him catch it. And I was like, oh, this mm. should be interesting. And he runs so like he has such a weird form to his running because yeah. it's like it looks like he's going slow, but he's outrunning everybody. Yeah, at one point, like, and the most he, impressive thing on the player, I know Kamara is impressive as hell, but the offensive lineman, I think it's number seventy nine in front 78, of him, seventy eight, yeah, seventy eight, just mauls a guy. He he's running faster than Kamara at that point. Yeah, Kamara slows down, and then yeah, but it's weird because like forty four comes, uh, the linebacker for the Packers comes like takes a great angle, like has him, yeah. and then Kamara just turns it on and like takes like two like super quick steps and like outruns him. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah, no, I mean, Kamara is the lifeline that Drew Brees needs. Uh, Michael Thomas not there again this week. Um, but I don't know if Brees finishes out the year. I don't think he's quite Peyton Manning last year in Denver bad because Drew Brees is better at protecting the ball and hasn't thrown much interceptions. But he's on the uh, – if he ends this season, I will be shocked. Yeah, and, ta- well, and I if mean- he ends this season, they're 8-8, eight and 7-9. Eight, you think so? They're not making. If he is the starting quarterback for every game this season, I don't think they make the playoffs. Well, and the the thing is too, they can't. I mean, they could, but I I don't think they'd go for Taysom Hill. Did you see that uh, fumble? 
They went Hill from having a 75% a uh, win probability to dropping to like under 20% after that uh, third down fumble by Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is such a joke. I'm not even going to dignify it with a response. He's getting paid $16, $16 million, million dollars against the Cavs. $16 million to be a gadget player and is apparently supposed to be their future quarterback. But you know what you don't do with your future quarterback? Make him a gadget player. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you when Rodgers was sitting behind Brett Favre, you know what they didn't do? They didn't have him punt protecting. <laughs> they didn't yeah. have him on kick return. They didn't have they him don't, they don't have. End. They didn't have Lamar Jackson going in there for Wildcat exactly. under Joe Flacco. <laughs> like, he's a 31-year-old who's thrown less than 10 passes in the league. I don't think he's going to revamp the quarterback position for that team. No, I agree with you. But then, like, what are your other options if Drew Brees just can't James. get it done? Yeah, that's a yeah. I would say James got his LASIK. I mean, I was gonna bring it up. And he beat me to it. Let's not forget he did throw thirty interceptions. Yes, but he did throw thirty touchdowns and over five thousand yards in that same season. What if I told you? <laughs> That's my thirty for thirty joke, everybody. Booyah! Um, before we last thing I'll say on this last thing I'll say on James is, and there was another Tampa Bay quarterback who had corrective eye surgery. Um, that was later identified and then had a okay career and his name was Vinny Testaverde. He was colorblind. Oh, they figured out the he was colorblind. How long out, did it take you to find that stat? Uh, you know, I listen to things. Um, <laughs> he was colorblind. They figured out he was colorblind and then he went on to have a relatively well career into his 40s and finished, I want to say, in the Jets with the Jets. Yeah, he did Vernie is cold and Wayne Corbett. Ooh, look at look, this, man. man. Yeah. Look, man. Come on. University of Miami, Vinny Tessaverde, shout out. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of shouts out and things that you love, oh boy. let's transition. You going to do this to me like that? Is yeah, that well, I want to talk about it now. You want to see that? Um, okay. Let's so, talk about your Philadelphia Eagles. Let's folks, do it. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. You can't see us right now, because, but I have Eagles flag flying behind me. I wanted to do a virtual background just so I wouldn't have to dignify looking at that every time I look at myself on Zoom right now. Um, we look bad. We we look we look bad. We tied with the Cincinnati Bengals. It shouldn't have been that close. Yes, there's no Alshon. Yes, uh, Jalen Rieger was out. Dallas Goddard got hurt in the middle of that game as well. But most of your offensive line is there. Of course, Brandon Brooks is not coming back at any point in the season. Andre Dillard either because they're out for the season. But... You, Wentz made his two interceptions were just bad balls. Yeah, they were just terrible passes. Yeah, one was I agree. in the triple coverage. Yeah, I, I think I don't. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if he's doing too much. I mean, it's year five. I heard that earlier today when I was watching some of the highlights, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's already year five Yeah, for him. But because he had those season-ending injuries, it's, I mean, it makes sense. I don't. I don't know what's happening with the Eagles. Um, the reason I say that is I know they have injuries, but so do the 49ers. Exactly. Um, but they've got to play the Giants. Once we play the Giants, we'll get a couple. Wins <laughs> you'll, you'll get back on track. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. you did play the Bengals, which was the True. worst team in the NFL last year. And True. I'm not trying to like, obviously, my team is the Jacks. And after our performance, you have which a we'll window. talk about later. Yeah, no, I understand that. But <laughs> we have a was, tie. 
It was weird because at the beginning of the season, you and I talked about this and we said, well, yeah. with all the injuries, how can they overcome all these injuries? How can, but then everyone started getting injured. You know what I mean? Like every yeah. team had big injuries and then it was like, okay. And then you look up some of these stats, like Carson Wentz actually has the fifth best rated offensive line by football outsiders. When you're looking at uh 2.5 seconds are less to throw. So mm. a lot of those sacks are, you're are being determined by some of these next gen stats that are his fault, holding yeah. the ball too long, holding taking too long to read long. coverage. He wants to be a superhero. Yeah. That's his issue. He's Ben Roethlisberger without the 30, 40 extra pounds to cushion for the injuries. He's holding. There was a play yesterday where I was literally jumping out of my seat saying, just throw it away. Yeah. Goodness just get gracious. rid of it. Yeah. Just get rid of the ball. Live to f- play another down and don't make a dumbass mistake. Yeah. I and I wanted to see, um, so Miles Sanders, who was the number uh, number one running back, you know yeah. their their big pickup last year. Um, so thirty eight attempts on one hundred ninety uh, one hundred ninety yards. So he's averaging five yards an attempt. But what this tells to me after three games, him having only thirty eight attempts, is Carson he Wentz is trying he didn't to play do in the first game. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. but I'm saying even after the two games, is Carson yeah. Wentz is doing a lot more on his own. Because See, like you I, said, he wants to I be a superhero. I blame that on Doug Peterson. You got to get the ball in the hands of your running back to lighten your quarterback's load. So just from this game alone, Carson Wentz had 47 attempts, 29 to 47. Yeah. To throw the ball 47 times. Oh, you want to get he, some stats? I got some stats on Wentz right here. Do you? Wentz yeah, was pull him one up. of five on passes over 20 yards or more. He was one of seven on passes from 10 to 15 yards. So he was 2 of 12 on anything over 10 yards. He can't complete a pass down the field. So how are we going to win games? By comparison, Joe Burrow was 8 of 17 on those same passes, uh, 10 yards or more. Wentz was 2 of 12. Yeah, Joe Burrow finished the game 31 of 44 with 312 yards. So just yards per attempt average for Carson Wentz is 4.8 just in this game. Joe Burrow, the rookie, was 7.1 with two touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, uh, Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor, right? Zach Taylor yeah. did with what I said after the Thursday night game, and I said, uh, I can't wait to see what happens when they allow Burrow to start throwing it downfield. Yeah, and he you, got you to throw it downfield, and he looked good. Wentz did not. <laughs> um, so you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan. We went over this on the last uh, last week's walk off where your yeah. love for the Eagles came from. Uh, Jalen Hurts. I'm just going to say it, and I want to hear your thoughts on that. You're just going to say his name. That's it. Yeah. What do you think, Jalen Hurts? Uh, next topic. I don't. There's no discussion <laughs> here. As bad as Wentz looks, I cannot until until the season's over. And that is, and if he's playing at this production, then I'll say, all right, we made a mistake. We caught lightning in a bottle a couple times with him. But if he's going to be this bad, we might as well cut bait or figure out what the issue is. If it's Doug and the offense they're running, something needs to change. But go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, can, I really actually appreciate that. There's so often where people are like, this guy stinks, get him out of here. And this is something that I'm going to eventually bring off, bring up in a walk-off. But I've talked about it before. I cannot stand the just average fan who looks at a box score or a stat line and goes, this guy's garbage. And it's like, 
no, he's not garbage. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like something is happening around him. How often do you hear, oh, if this guy would have gone to a different team, a different system, different system he would have been yeah. great. Uh, look at Derek Carr's um, older brother David. You know he yeah. gets drafted by the Houston Texans. He had gets an offensive line and was able to survive <laughs> and has to retire early because he's getting. But you know what I mean. Like this kind of yeah. stuff happens all the time, and so I'm actually very happy to hear you say absolutely no, not. I mean, like, let's see what's going on we here saw first. Once and was that was that year two when he when we won the Super Bowl? Yeah, where he was literally. Literally going into, I think it was week 13 or 14, that game against the Rams where he got hurt on that scramble, which looked familiar to the play yesterday when he yeah, scrambled was, to the yeah. right and dove. I, I I got, oh, I had PTSD for a second. Um, <laughs> but until that play, he was the MVP that year. He had like 33 touchdowns and I want to say less than 10 interceptions. Um, yeah, he was so on track to win the MVP for sure. He was sure. on track to win the MVP. So he has it somewhere in him and... My biggest thing, so this kind of decline also, by the way, uh, reference to last week in my life, we need to check our medical staff. Jesus, I've been saying that for like three years now. But anyways, um, the issue is in that year, we had uh, our offensive coordinator and our quarterbacks coach immediately got poached. And since then, we haven't, the offense hasn't looked as productive, hasn't looked as the same. And people are like, oh, you, why did you let go of Nick Foles? I forgot to pull it up. I wanted to pull it up. But those first two games that next season, because Carson, they didn't do the RG3 thing and immediately start him week one. They let Nick Foles play the first two games. Yep. Yeah, he was so bad in those first two I games. They were like, yep. bring Carson back in. Yeah, I remember that because when the Jaguars uh, paid all that money to Nick Foles and everyone's like, oh, he's a Super Bowl MVP. And I was kind of like, yeah, but there's a reason they went back to Carson Wentz like right at the beginning of the season. Because I remember everyone was clamoring for Wentz to come back after it was week three when he started again. Yeah, he started week three. They gave Nick Nick Foles Foles two weeks. Yeah, that's all, that's all you get. You want to? You're a Super Bowl MVP. You get two weeks. That's all he had in uh, Jacksonville too. I mean, he got hurt, thing. but then, like, it didn't even matter when he came back. Everyone was like, "Nah, we're gonna go with Minshew." And the most annoying thing, and then we can get off of this and go to the uh, Patriots. But the most annoying part of the oh, Foles won the Super Bowl. Da 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 da. They've admitted that when Foles came in. They scaled down the playbook. They simplified the playbook. It was a lot it was shorter reads, a lot more uh, handoffs. And when Wentz come back, they open up the they expand the playbook to a point that I think it's the detriment because there's too many long developing plays. And the offensive line is only going to give you so much time before just coverage sacks happen or hero ball happens. And they haven't gotten the hero ball out of him. Yeah, Doug Peterson did mention um, today after the game that they were going to scale back the playbook. Yeah, I was say they're doing too much. Yeah, he basically said a lot of coach speak things for this is my fault, this is on me, we're going to scale back the playbook. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go? Mean, go ahead. Last, last, I lied. last thing I'll say is, and I don't know if that means Carson isn't uh, doesn't have the capacity to uh, process everything because you hear about like New England playbooks, uh, notoriously complicated, but Tom Brady was able to run that for over 20 years. Cam Newton's picked up a new variation of it. You, you, what does that mean if the coach is saying we're doing too much? Is is that him admitting that, okay, I'm trying to be too cutesy 
Or is that saying my quarterback can't handle all this? We should just focus on his strengths. I, I honestly think it's the former before the latter. I think it's the coach saying I'm trying to do the the playbook is too much. Like I, the coach is trying to implement, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the, I, I get what you're saying. Like he's, yeah, trying to like be too cutesy. he's trying to be too. Yeah. Hey, I'm a brainiac. I'm a, yeah, exactly. I'm a exactly. Hey, look at, look at my place. Look yeah. at my plays. And it's like, we can't run your place. We're missing half our offensive <laughs> yeah, line. It takes say, seven seconds to develop. Tight end is gone. We don't have three of our starting receivers. <laughs> yeah. So I think he needs to scale back. Get back. Give miles Sanders the ball. Let Carson yeah. Wentz do play action. Which is what he's really good at, yeah. and then scramble from say, time to time when he needs many to. Read options. Like when um, Nick Foles was there, they were running RPOs. I don't know the last time I saw a damn RPO. Yeah, so consistently we, at least. I think I think the Eagles will figure it out. I just feel, I mean, I just it's just it's hard to, and I like I said, I especially after three weeks, I don't like to heap all this like negativity on teams unless it's the browns this but team. yeah it's unless your it's team so you can, yeah you can do what you want it's your team um yeah, no. I've, I've i've held my tongue for two weeks now and now <laughs> i've I'm held like, my tongue for too long <laughs> they fucking got a tie they really ticked me off why do you not why would you punt this message? just go for it you put it in the slack man you were like this is what you say like this is the most disappointing said, was, uh, look i said it everywhere i texted my buddies on our whatsapp kind i just said the eagle stink <laughs> tired of it do you want to go to the Patriots or do you want to go? You mentioned the Patriots, but I was going to, I didn't know if you wanted to talk Buffalo Bills. Um, uh, Patriots. I don't have a lot of the Patriots. Uh, okay. Let's tag the Patriots real quick then. All I had to really say on the Patriots was, boy, they are going to lean on teams this year. 250 yeah. on the ground. Wow. I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to say it as a former white running back. Seeing what Rex Burkhead did really made me smile. <laughs> three touchdowns and uh shout out to everybody on the team because they dedicated it to james white um whose father tragically passed in a car accident yeah, like uh, two weeks ago so um even belichick like started his press conference by saying like this was for james and rex said that's like his brother and they've been communicating and sony michelle as well cam so and uh Underrated thing, the Patriots are what two and one now. They play the Chiefs yep. next week, and they lost seven starting defensive players uh, who opted out because of COVID. Yeah, they yeah. A lot of people machine. thought they were going to be. <laughs> a lot of people thought they were going to be in shambles, but uh, yeah. it's Bill Belichick. You know, he knows what he's doing. They I don't are think machines. Yeah, and I think a lot of these teams. Um, so I was listening to uh, the Ringer uh, football show earlier today, and Kevin Clark had mentioned something where he had said after like week three of the 2016 season, he had said, um, "Man, this defense about a team." He was like, "Man, this defense is just bad. This defense is really bad." And then he actually got a call from a GM. The GM said, "You know, after 2011, when we had the new CBA and they cut our practices, defenses don't fall yeah, into form." Yeah, they don't form. start well. Until, yeah, until halfway through the season. So, you know, he basically told him, like, watch what you said. Watch yeah. your mouth. Um, <laughs> and uh thing about New England, I forgot where I heard this, but this was like a year or so ago. They they do more maneuvering with their defenders in the first four weeks. They put them in all different positions. They don't have them line up in the same place more than like a few times so they can see them in different areas. I think it was going into the Falcon Super Bowl so that when they get to a 
plays in the playoffs and later in the uh, season, they can start moving guys around to their strengths and they can show you different things on their defense. They might have a DN stand up now as a linebacker because they've ran that a couple times in game situations and they know what it looked like. So yeah. New England defense only gets better as the season go on goes on. Definitely. And that's just the thing is that they haven't been playing. I mean, they haven't been awesome. And you thought with, you know, all the, the people opting out, um, like Chung and those guys, I thought they were going to, yeah. I honestly thought they were, people were going to be putting up like 40 on them yeah. every week. And then to see what's going on. And then it's a lot of ball control. You know, they're running with Cam, they're yeah, running with Rex, they they're running with, uh, it looks like Sony Michelle is to the point where he's like, oh, if I don't start playing like, the first round pick that I am, I might get, get rid cut. of me. <laughs> yeah. They're going to you know. Jonas Gray me. Yeah. Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, <laughs> Leonard Fournette. You can ask all them. Like yeah. if you, and that's the bizarre thing to me is people are still taking running backs in the first round. And it's like, I don't know. Well, you can I mean, hit you. There's guys you can hit on. Uh, Christian McCaffrey looks great. Dalvin Cook looked great. Yeah. Dalvin um, Cook was a monster. 265 yards. Yeah. Zeke looks great when Dallas hands in the ball. We'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that later. So, yeah. I mean, there are productive running backs in the first round, but it's it's usage and making the most of your opportunities. Yeah, like we talked about before. Look at um, Nick Chubb. Yeah, Nick Chubb looks like there's a beast out there. And then you get that switch with uh, then putting out... Um, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, who can catch and run out of the... Oh, yeah. man. It's... What do they call it? Thunder and lightning, baby. <laughs> it's um like that when John Stewart and D'Angelo Williams played for the Panthers. Oh, wow. deep Jonathan pole. Stewart, D'Angelo Williams in the back. For Jake DeLong days? Ooh. Yeah, thunder and Steve lightning. Smith I remember that. on the side? Wow. Okay. Let's Flexing talk about Buffalo. Let's talk about Buffalo. I want to talk about Buffalo. I put up a, I put, sorry, I put up a Laverius Cole, Wayne Corbett. You had to raise me a Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams. You're not the only one who knows sports around here, buddy. All right, let's, let's get into the bills. Uh, How do you feel about uh, our boy, your boy, your boy, Josh Allen, my boy, Jaheim Allen? Well, I don't know if you know if he's Jaheim anymore, because he's not even running that much anymore. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. He's not really using his legs very often, but, um, Okay, so first of all, shouts out to my man Devin Singletary, one of the best mm. running backs in the NFL. FAU, I was motor, FAU, <laughs> motor coming out of paradise, baby. All right, um, but I Josh can use Allen, I'm giving him the ball a couple more times for my fantasy team. But all right, thirteen carries. I know he needs more than that. You got to feed that beast, baby. Yards on thirteen carries, like give him the ball. Yeah, five point five. Twenty-eight. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, okay. So all I wanted to say was Josh Allen is it's vexing to me because it's, it's, it's one of those situations where at least two or three times a game, he will just do something like idiotic. Yeah. He, he is, he is, uh, prone to the bonehead play for sure. Like the lateral. In the, I don't like, know. <laughs> I was like, what are you, what, what is happening? And then, but then he, he can run and gun. He can sling it with the best of them. Uh, and it's so bizarre to me the way that he can go 24 yeah, or 33 a, for 311. He's a, he's a bit then, of a Jekyll and Hyde. And the thing this year is they're suppressing the Hyde. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, so I, I, the that's one. the math I did in my head right before. I said. <laughs> um, yeah, they're suppressing the Hyde, uh, but it comes out, like you said, with that weird lateral. Um, he had a 
I, I don't know if this is impressive or unimpressed or just boneheaded, but he had a fa- offensive face mask. <laughs> yeah, on the same drive with the lateral. And then he got a penalty for mouthing off to the ref when Aaron Donald made him like, uh, oh, uh, I was going to say something very inappropriate, monster. but yeah, Aaron Donald looked great. The Rams looked great. They wiped away. I remember um, checking the score of that game and I just thought like, Okay, this game's over. There's no way the Rams are going to come back. This is sad because... It was 28-3. It was literally Patriots-Falcons. And And we talked about on paper how the Rams have all this talent in the last couple... Like last year, they just didn't really live up to all that talent. And now they're in all this cap, cap space trouble and stuff. And I was like, oh, this game's over. And then they came back. They took the lead. They took the lead. And they should have... Let's get to it. They should have won the game. Yeah. Absolutely. That is a bad PI call. Yep. There's been a few PI calls late in games, and I, I'm going to keep saying this. Trust Do me. Do we think it's because there's less fans or no fans in the stands? I, I don't know what it is, but it's infuriating um, just with some of the situations we've seen because, like, and we've talked about this week in and week out on this show. The refs should not be deciding the yeah. games like this. It's upsetting. And it's especially upsetting. when you go back and watch them and you're like, I I mean, it's recency bias. I'll give you that. I do not remember this ever happening before where like I know every it happened week. every a, week. We've yeah. gotten at least a P.I. call at the end of a game that we're all, everyone's like, Whoa. <laughs> like I know it happened a couple times in big games, which is why they they created the challenge issue. But yeah. I don't remember it happening every week and like deciding games no every week used to be the catch rule remember that yeah oh yeah that was <laughs> well, yeah. we couldn't figure out what a catch was for like five years oh boy yeah but i i think the buffalo bills are good i think the design of that defense is fantastic it was a little out of the box at the time when they were putting it together but now seeing what they can do especially with that secondary that second they had an yeah, awesome Davis young White's secondary awesome. yeah and they had an awesome young secondary, you know, four, three or four years ago. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. it, they, the turnovers, they just not keep, They had Stephon Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And remember, um, oh God, I can't remember his name. The sa- Bird, the safety. Bird? Yeah, I think it was Bird. I don't know. I remember Kenny, they had No, that's Kenny Vaccaro. But yeah, no, he went to, yeah, you're right. He went to, he also went to Tennessee. Okay, okay, that's yeah. why I was confused. I can't remember his name, though. But yeah, Bird, B-Y-R-D, B-Y-R-D 31. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. I can't remember his first name, but yeah, no, you're right. I know who you're talking about. Let's talk more about Devin Singletary with four <laughs> catches out of the backfield. De- look, Devin's on one of my fantasy teams, and 13 carries really bugged me when I saw he had 71 yards on that. And they had a 21 to th- a 28-3 lead. Just pound the pavement just yeah run the air out of the ball especially up there in but i mean it wasn't the weather wasn't a factor in this one it was like 80 yeah, it was degrees, like 80 but, degrees yeah <laughs> it was a Los but, Angeles i mean the day. rams the rams are here baby the rams i mean even though it was a loss the rams look great the yeah, defense the looks look stellar except their jerseys and yeah they didn't actually look great <laughs> but their play looked really good um aaron donald of course a man possessed which True. i try not to say anymore because i said it so much in the first episode but <laughs> He really is. No, he had a sack, fumble, first sack, fumble, one sack, play. strip, 
fumble and did recovery. And he recover it too? Oh, man. It was All insane. in one. I saw it. He just flipped them over, grabbed the ball. I was like, gee. It, and during it looked- that play, Josh Allen's only response was to look at the ref and go, <laughs> You can't let him do that. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> it was reminiscent of the Jadavian Clowney play that heard around the world. like The South Carolina I, play? I took you out. I made you drop the ball. And I took the ball. I'm yeah. that much man. <laughs> it was insane. Um, so I'm not worried about the Rams. I think the Rams are going to be fine. But the Bills, it's weird that everyone was like, oh, now that Brady's out of New England. And mm-hmm. the one thing we know from football more than any other sport, I think, is that one player can't really determine the worth of a team. Yeah. Um, but I guess when you're talking about the greatest of all time quarterback, maybe yeah, when you it, talk about 20 years of seeing one player there. Yeah. But it's just weird to me when it was Brady left. And a lot Belichick of that, didn't leave. The I defense say, is the same defense. A lot of that came up before Cam was signed. It's when we thought yeah, Stim was going to be the starting quarterback. We were like, <laughs> okay, we don't point. know who that is. Yeah, fair point. But I mean, I think because there was a little bit of Buffalo hype last year it was overshadowed by the Browns hype. Um, but I honestly think they're getting their due now and people are just kind of late to the party. I mean, I know preseason polls had them up there. And again, that's, you know, when you got Stidham and Darnold and, you know, it's magic, which we'll talk about later in your division, then it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, we'll be all right. Yeah. But um, I will say, uh, Doug, Doug, Doug McDermott. Yeah, Doug McDermott for his uh, boneheadedness early on in his tenure there, uh, mainly benching Tyrod in favor of Doug, the Peterman, um, who went on Nate, to throw Nate Peterman. Ah, oh, whatever, Peterman. Um, I was thinking of Doug Peterson. I'm mad at him. So sorry, um, Nate Peterman. In uh, his seven interceptions in one half, and then a face full of ice another game later. Uh, Sean McDermott. <coughs> Sean McDermott. I, thank I, you. I was like, that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, it, you kept it didn't saying it. Right. Didn't sound right. I got Dougie on the mind. I know. Right. You're, you're just <laughs> seething over it. Doug Peterson, an asshole right now. But um, yeah, Sean McDermott. Um, all his muscle tees. He's looking to be a really smart uh, coach. Yeah, and it's weird because a lot of times these teams will hire these quote unquote gurus and stuff, and sometimes they don't work out, and sometimes they do. You know, look what Sean McDermott's doing in Buffalo, Sean yeah. McVay, and you know L.A. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes Wonderful. they hire these guys, and you're like, oh, this isn't gonna like you yeah, can almost not gonna feel move it. the needle. Yeah, um, but yeah, he, I mean they're doing a great job up there. That defense is not. It reminds me a lot of the no name defense, like. You can't, other than a couple of the corners, you couldn't really tell me too many guys that are on. I mean, I couldn't tell you. I can give you Jared Hughes. I can give you Ed Oliver. Uh, yeah, Ed Oliver. Outside yeah, of Tredarius White. I got nothing else, yeah. Yeah, and so it's just, I mean, they're they're playing well. Uh, yeah. So I think the Buffalo Bills. I think Josh are, Norman's there now. No. Yeah, I think Josh Norman connected, reconnected with, because uh, Sean McDermott originally was the Panthers coach. Yeah. The Panthers well, D.C. I'm going to tell you this. If he was there, he didn't have a single thing to put him on the stat line. So, yeah, but he, he is there. I know for sure. He's wearing like number 23. He looked cool in his uh, pictures early on in the, just the press pictures because they <laughs> the, did a key thing. My favorite day at FAU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> press day. We, we, yeah, we got media day. Media day, yeah. I'm going to show everyone I'm on the team, Mom. I was say all the nice lights and glitz and glamour uh, yeah, just yeah. to get your package ready. 
It's yeah. pretty awesome. Sit down. Where are you from? Tell us about yourself. <laughs> I'm a scout team player. I'm not going to touch the field. Um, anyway, uh, I digress. Do you want to talk yes. about the Falcons and the tragedy, <sighs> the Greek tragedy, as you put it, that are the Falcons? The Greek tragedy that is the Falcons. So I have I have friends. I live in Atlanta. I don't think we ever said where we were. Um well, everyone knows I'm from Atlanta. Jacksonville. Yeah, obviously. Because no one outside of Jacksonville would be a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. Oh. <laughs> um, so I live in Atlanta. And the last two weeks, last week after the Cowboy game, I walked in my house. One of my friends was a Cowboys fan. And I just looked at him and I said, what the hell? And he just started <laughs> going off. What the hell? <laughs> he just started going off, just cursing everybody, MFing the whole team and everything this week i couldn't even wait till i got home shot him a text <laughs> and he just started swearing up and down i don't know how they keep finding new ways to lose and it's not just losing it's losing in the most heartbreaking fashion it's just it's like it's I don't want to do that again because it's something I vowed I wasn't going to do anymore. But if I were someone who had played football to, uh, to be up in all these games by, I mean, obviously it's a record. Like you don't have to look it up. Everyone knows yeah. to lose a 16 point lead in the fourth quarter, a 19 point lead in the fourth quarter. Like it's, it's a yeah, record. It's a record for the most times the, the Super season. Bowl. Yeah. And back to back games. This is the most time it's happened to a team in a season. And yeah. it happened to them in two weeks. In the same week. <laughs> like it's, I don't understand. They've got a great, I'm not great. They've got a very good passing offense. Um, no Julio, I, but I mean, it looks fine early yeah, on. Yeah, the offense looked good. I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, something to be desired, but I mean, he had 238 yards. He averaged 6.3 yards uh, completion, um, you know, one touchdown, one pick, but still. That pick was terrible. Yeah, the pick, it was almost like he was like, I know I'm going to throw yeah, it. I just want to like, get it ah, over fuck with. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. It was the end of the game. He had a drive to go. And he was just like, ah, forget it. Just toss I, it away. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel terrible for Atlanta Falcon fans. I know when I'm, and I'm sure you feel the same way. When I'm watching my team. No. <laughs> Sorry. When I, <laughs> I'm watching my team and you have a lead. Um, especially going into the fourth, especially significantly, like two yeah. scores. And Dan Quinn's a defensive coach. <sighs> Look, the thing I wanted to get to was you 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 made the move for Gurley. You brought in Gurley. The same thing I said with the Bills. You get an early lead. Run the air out of the ball. Gurley had 80 yards on 14 attempts. Get him more touches. Yeah. You, Brian Hill at nine to ten. I mean, that's only the they they ran the ball a total of twenty-five times. With the lead in the fourth quarter, you ran the ball twenty-five times. This team has only heard for the last three years, you're up big, run the clock out. Mm-hmm. And they still refuse to take everyone's advice. Yep. <laughs> They're still throwing the ball. Their receivers are getting no separation. Their receivers, I looked it up. They are every receiver was below the league average of separation yards. They are getting no separation and they refuse to run the ball when they're doing it effectively already. That's insane to me that you can have a lead like that in the fourth quarter and not be like, nah, we're good. Like, nah, we're, I'm still gonna chuck it. 
Yeah, we're going to throw it. I wanted to talk about um, in this game, We something interesting happened. The Chicago Bears benched Mitchell Trubisky, their um, first-round pick from a few years ago. Terrible uh, decision. They're um, not benching him. Oh, the pick. I thought you meant yeah. benching him. Um, trading to get him. Yeah, won. trading up, trading the farm to get trading him. Trading to get him in the same draft that Deshaun Watson and Mahomes were in. And Mitchell yeah. Trubisky had only played 13 games in college at that point. Go ahead. Well, no, it's it, it seemed because he was not playing bad. I mean, actually, let me he rephrase that. Statistically, he seemed fine. And then he threw the pick and it was almost like they were just waiting for they him to enough. throw the pick. <laughs> yeah, He doesn't pass the eye test. I don't give no. a shit how much his teammates love him. I don't think well, they do. Which is counter to kind of my stance earlier, but there's a certain point where you, it's just like, you're just not okay. good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, and I shouldn't but even say that because no, I'm no, not no. sure his to relationship point, with his teammate, but yeah, I was going to say to your point, I don't think the team loves him because we heard, I think we heard rumblings going into this week that Allen Robinson asked for a trade mainly because he wasn't getting the ball because he don't like the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I just remember watching that sports center thing last year before the season where him and uh, the long, the, Long brother who uh, was playing offensive line for them was uh, Kyle Long. Yeah, Kyle. Thank you. Um, I always want to say Chris because I listen to Chris Chris's podcast. But uh, Mm -hmm. Kyle Long, they were like having like a good old time and like laughing and having fun. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe there's some chemistry here. Maybe everyone's gonna get you know everyone gets along. And then it just it's just not it's not quality play. And I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's his lack of experience. I don't know if it's. But I think as his, soon as he threw that pick, making. they were like, no, nah, you're out. You're done. Yeah, they, they, they had seen enough. Uh, I, I'll go back to one thing. I don't know. I think there's a few guys still on the team from last year. And I think a lot of, I mean, I don't know about the guys or whatever, but I don't, I started to look at him sideways after we heard um, he had a, all the TVs and the, uh, like going to the gym. I turned off of ESPN. About that. And I was like, yo, like, what? (laughs) I um, forgot about that. I think the issue with him is his pass distribution. I looked it up. He was 0 for 4 on passes beyond 25 yards and only only threw the ball two times beyond 10 yards. So everything was underneath. He was taking zero chances. He doesn't push the ball downfield. So your receivers are not happy because they're not stretching the field. Your team is not happy because you're not moving the ball and your defense is always back on the field. So I think that interception was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, well, if you're not going to do anything, let's just get you out of (laughs) here. Yeah. And then they put in Nick Foles, who we talked about earlier. Um, I have uh, mixed feelings about Nick Foles. I thought he was going to be the savior in Jacksonville when we brought him in here. You know, we paid him all that money. uh, And then... We still had some semblance of the team from 2017 that uh, went to the uh, AFC Championship game, and uh, it just he he you know well, he got hurt. Good in that first game, and then he got Dude, the first. I mean, he's one, one of his first passes was a touchdown, like yeah, 47 beautiful. yards, and then he got hurt injured, and then he just wasn't yeah. the same. And then you know, Minshew Mania happened, and all that stuff, but. Nick Foles, you know, like we talked about earlier, is it's a weird thing to come in late. Score three yeah. touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which Mitchell Trubisky did in the in week one, yeah. and everyone was singing his praises. Yeah. But I don't think 
I don't think Nick Foles is a franchise quarterback. No. And we've seen all the chances he's gotten. I mean, this yeah, goes back seen to this story. Before. This goes back to Andy Reid, Philly, like back. So Andy? I mean, no, this goes back to Chip. Was it Chip? I thought he was, was under Andy Reid at like his he first was couple there seasons. Under Andy, but the twenty-seven and what twenty-seven and seven, seven and four, and, yeah, yeah, that season was uh, under Andy. I mean, under uh, Chip, I believe. Okay, but yeah. it's still, it's it's like this Vic lightning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was. I remember that was the year Vic. Everyone, every if you had Vic in your fantasy league, you won. Mm. Um, but it's just it's it's bizarre to me because it seems like the way I look at it is that, um, and I say this all the time, like if it's something that really works, everyone would do it. Yeah, exactly. So if, you know what I mean? Like if you don't Nick become Foles, a journeyman if you're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Because I hear people all the time be like, "Oh, let's let's try this out," and it's like if it worked. Everyone would have already done it. Nick yeah. Foles would have a 10-year contract somewhere for $300 million. Yeah. But the problem sure. is it hasn't been working. It happens it, in spurts. Yeah. And um, everyone's just trying to capture lightning in a bottle. And I think the, because it is, you know, the NFL quarterback is the most valued position in sports. So I think it's very hard to find that guy. But I, I don't think this is the answer uh, going from Trubisky to Foles. I mean, I love Foles because, you know. Look, I he, love Foles more than anybody. He gave me a super Yeah, that's baby. true. So, yeah, you <laughs> definitely. But still, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, I'm, not it's, blinded, I'm not blinded by the fact that Nick Foles can give you five good games in a row. But it's a 16-game season before we could get to those four games. Yeah, and not only that, but it's. Games? It's a long, it's a career kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, he might win you five games. Like, you know, if someone gets hurt, but is this uh, some guy you're going to sign for a five year deal? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, to play 16 games a year. Like, no, yeah, you're that's not. If the season were five games, yeah, throw them in, condense the playbook, let's rip and roll, playoff time. Yeah, 16 let's games go. to get into the playoffs. Whoo, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's just I, I, I. I found that so interesting how, because Mitch wasn't playing bad. So let's just, real quick. Mitchell was uh, 13 to 22 for 128 yards and a touchdown. And then he threw that pick and they were like, you're, I mean, it's not a great stat line, but it's not horrible. It's pretty bad. He was under 60% completion and all his, like I said, uh, he completed with 13 balls. Yeah. Uh, he only, attempted, he only attempted six passes over 10 yards. Yeah, that's that is okay. <laughs> just reminds me of when I play Madden. I'm like, oh, that's a that's not a bad set because I'm yeah. so bad at Madden. I'm like, that's I'll take realize, 13 to 22. Yeah, I love to say that you realize you're playing on like pro. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> it's like, God. oh man, you know, this isn't that good, I guess. <laughs> you want to talk about uh, your man DK? <laughs> oh boy. Oh, boy. This was another play I saw that gave me some flashbacks and PTSD. But at least when Deshaun Jackson did it, one, he was a rookie. And two, he at least dropped it on the one and it got recovered and we were able to go and score. DK Metcalf yesterday caught one of the most glorious passes from the god Russell Wilson and dropped right in the bread basket. And then he kind of like 
jogged the last like three, four yards and the DB to his credit for Dallas. And, you know, I don't like giving Dallas any credit. Uh, came through, punched the ball and it went through the back of the end zone. And Didn't give up back. on the play. Didn't give up on the play. Yeah. Fought through the end. And, um, yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Seattle Dallas game. For those of you who don't know, uh, Metcalf, uh, he redeemed himself later. He had that really difficult catch and double yeah, coverage that uh, won them the game. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan. Um, I don't really have anything invested in either team. I love, <laughs> I do love how Pete Carroll, it took him 40 years, but has finally decided to let his quarterback cook, let oh Russ gosh, cook. Right. He spent 40 years establishing the run in his I'm football. I'm happy you said it so I can actually, that was going to be the name of the episode, but now you say it, it confirms it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, I am. Um, it's just, I mean, Pete Carroll's always been a run first guy. Yeah. Um, and he wants to run on first down and he wants to bash it down your throats and he wants to have ball control and he wants to run the clock and he wants to let his defense and his run game, you know, win. And he's had Russell Wilson for nine years. And this is one of the first years where he's like, all right, you know, we're going to put the ball in his hand and, you know, let him take control. Um, and Russell Wilson, you know, I always joke about what Bill Simmons used to say, you know, Russell hustle and bustle man muscle Wilson. He's he's awesome. Um, That's great. Everyone wants to talk about how he hasn't gotten an MVP vote. Um, I think yeah. that's bizarre because it's like, it just crazy. go back to the years and it's like, okay, well, is he going to get a vote over Lamar? Is he going to get a vote over Mahomes? You know what I mean? Like yeah. th- that year you, Tom you Brady had, like he's not going to get. You would think like, um, like who was it this year? Uh, uh, what the fuck was it? Oh, so like when Michael Jordan was winning his MVPs, he wouldn't get unanimous. Uh, the meat local market would at least give him their vote. So it's like, wow, lot, not even the local people in Seattle are giving him their vote. That's kind of odd. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I understand it. It is kind of odd. Guy's been yeah. to two Super Bowls. Yeah, Before no, I, he was I'm who aware. he was, obviously. But I mean, still, the guy was pretty spectacular for these nine, ten years. Yeah, and I mean, he's, yeah, it's his ninth season, so it only took nine years for Pete Carroll to kind of make this decision. I wanted to talk about um, Alden Smith. Did you know he's still playing? He's back playing? Yeah, he's back in the league after five years. It's funny how, you know, some people could take time off and they still get an opportunity as long as they don't uh, challenge the status quo. And uh, nobody's saying that he lost a step. No, he's actually uh, four sacks. He's one of the uh, leaders. Yeah, league leaders and sacks this year. But Alden Smith hasn't played in five years, like you mentioned. And if he's the best player on your defense, I'm sorry, your defense is just Not isn't going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we talked about it like Van Der Esch, the injuries. Yeah. Um, they don't have Smith. They let Jalen. Byron Jones go. Yeah. And um, so they're missing their linebacking core. They lost their best corner. Their defense, the defensive line. I mean, Alden Smith is looking, he looks like he hasn't lost too much of a step, but I mean, he hasn't played in five years. I think this is, I think it's interesting. The redemption quality of the season for him. Um, yeah. It's funny how you can get a redemption. Sorry, I'm going on tirade. No, right go now. ahead. Go I'm ahead. using Alden Smith as a, as a larger <laughs> microcosm of the NFL's hypocrisy. Uh, I love that you can get a redemption story after what, uh, two or three domestic incidents with his girlfriend at the time. Uh, I thought his was all bomb. drug and alcohol related. What I thought there was at least one or two domestic things, and then he also had that fake bomb threat all while he was in San Francisco. But Colin Kaepernick also was in San Francisco, had no record of any kind, but no one would give him an opportunity. Anyway. He had a fake bomb threat? 
Yes. He had a fake bomb threat at, uh, I don't know if it was LAX, but it was at a airport in California. Full disclosure, everyone, my mic stands <laughs> fucking broke on me. Um, okay. Yeah, these mic stands are the best, but they do. I thought he honestly, honestly, I did not know about any of that. I was actually going to be all like, yeah, I'm sober too. And now he's sober and everything's going well. I think but now that you're telling now, me all this. I think it started. You know what? Let's take five here and we'll come back when you get that fixed. So I can also do that research to make sure I'm not uh, mischaracterizing him, even though I think I'm right. All right. So we looked it up. Uh, First things first, everyone be assured that Brandon, Brandon's equipment is fixed. Everything's good to go for the rest of the show. Hopefully. Um, and Alden Smith, Brendan was right. He did have some uh, substance issues, but he also had a couple uh, assault charges, um, assault uh, assault charges, bomb threat, weapons charges, stabbings. And so not shoot. a great guy. Yeah, not a saint. Not a saint, as I was uh, saying. But, you know, America, the land of uh, second chances, unless you are fighting for equality. Yeah, isn't that the motto? What were you saying? Uh, that was Cowboys. I did want to make note of the Cowboys in one respect, actually. Uh, Segway. Uh, I love that the Cowboys have become the chargers of Philip Rivers. Uh, they get down early. Dak had two, uh, two INTs and a fumble. And then mm-hmm. they try to claw their way back in. And it's really fucking up the way I think that team should run because... When's the last time anybody talked about Zeke? I only thought they had those three awesome wide receivers. They have a running back too. <laughs> I was about to say, no one talked. The last thing I heard about Zeke is he has a new tattoo saying feed me. And I guess no one on the team saw it because they don't give him the ball. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it makes sense when you have, you know, Dak's a good quarterback and then you've got all that firepower as far as the wide receivers but i mean you've got to you've got to give the ball to your running back you got it especially we've talked about this about about this for three weeks now for the dallas cowboys and i mean you just made reference to why pick a running back in the first round they drafted him in the first round they've paid him you might want to use him yeah he had 14 carries for 34 yards um this is more the same uh dak prescott looked good i uh i mean i'm not going to count that last interception Mm. he didn't look great he i think he looked good but uh i got a lot of pleasure out of the game being on the line him having to go down the field and score to win and bitching and moaning about this contract for the last two and a half years (laughs) two years now and then he couldn't and then he couldn't go down the field and win. And yeah. nothing brought me more joy. No, I want him to stay on the Cowboys. I want them to sign him long term because he can't beat the Eagles. And that's like the only thing <laughs> I have solace in. That's all you've got going. <laughs> that's the only thing I have solace I just, in. I love it when that happens. When a player talks all this shit about like, you know, and he hasn't been openly talking in the media or anything. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like just that mentality. Like, no, this is what I deserve. Take the contract you offered me and shove it. I'm the leader of this team. This is my franchise. And then... There are certain moments where you have to prove it, and he did it. And I was so elated to see that. Well, I'm not elated to see that. I want everybody to get paid. Even though I hate Taysom Hill. They offered him give it to $30 million. Dollars. Don't take it. He wants, an, he, wants, he wants less years, right? Yeah. Yeah, he wants less years so he can re-up sooner. Than yeah, he wants to do the... Um, 
What is that? Um, the uh, LeBron James style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take short, get the maximize your uh, veteran status. Once the TV contracts go come up again, maximize your money. Yeah. Salary cap is always rising, baby. Always. Um, quick question. Little aside. Yeah. Can you hear it when those ads play? No. Okay. You don't perfect. have Good. voice meter or anything, so it won't come through. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Um, you play New question. Jersey. Can you, can you hear my uh, roommate playing Madden downstairs? Yes, I can. I can't okay. hear that. Just make, I just wanted to acknowledge it so the audience doesn't think somebody's yelling in their house. <laughs> I put they, like they get up Woof. They get up and start walk, walking around yeah, like, like, is someone here? What? what is happening? Is there a game happening in my house? What? Look out behind you. <laughs> uh, I put New Jersey woof. I put New Jersey because uh, the two teams that claim to be from New York, but they play in East Rutherford, New Jersey, yeah, the should, not, should not claim new new york because new york is this one when this most magical uh city state uh just ask the knicks yeah <laughs> um but yeah no they should they should claim where they're from the outpost of new york which is new jersey sorry to any new jersey listeners um, i'm not my fiance is from new jersey fuck them solid uh i'm just being facetious here but um yeah i didn't want to harp on either of these teams or these games long because they were both shit shows from the onset uh brought to you by sam darnold's immediate pick six um god that guy's still seeing ghosts he should have never said uh, that by the way uh i want to call him doug again why do i want to call everyone doug what's uh danny, danny dimes, dimes. <laughs> danny dimes my man danny dimes danny dimes I looks pull the mic away for that as one. atrocious as i predicted um yeah. and sam donald is i uh, not good or gase is that terrible i don't know which it gase is. is that terrible but is i, I don't know okay. yeah sam donald i mean I, I, I don't have anything to say about these games. Just also, because they, they have no receivers. Yeah. Um, they let, uh, what's his name go? Uh, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Anderson. Um, I don't, I mean, they're just, it's bad football. It's just bad football. Yeah, the just, Jets and the Giants it. both. Um, I have a lot of people in my Mullins. life. I have a lot of people in my life that are Giants fans. Um, and it's just, it's not good football. I have people in my life that are Giants fans, and I love making fun of them. My super hot take, though, about Saquon Barkley is better off riding. No, you were right. It sounded callous as hell, but you were right. Yeah, he's better off not playing this year. I didn't say you were wrong. I just, I don't know how. uh, There's no great way to word that. (laughs) I know. I I tried my best, but. You did. I think you did a good (laughs) job. You want to talk about um, Kirk? Captain Kirk? Kirk. Okay. Uh, Calvin Cook. Cooks. Let me just say that. Yeah. Yeah. My let's, man let's, went let's go bananas. To first. Dalvin Cook, you know, uh, as we'll talk about later, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. Uh, I still have nightmares about the one game I was able I have two of my brothers, two of my older brothers are Florida State fans. Um, we put our money together one year. We went to Tallahassee, Miami, Florida State, got good seats. Miami's winning. Brad Kaya threw a back shoulder touchdown. And I'm like, we're going to win this game. We're going to beat Florida State. It was in the midst of that like seven years where we hadn't beaten them. I was like, we're going to fucking win this game. And Dalvin Cook was nursing like a hamstring that whole game. They hand the ball in the fourth quarter to Dalvin Cook after we just had what would have been the game winning touchdown. And he runs 70 yards down my face to make Florida State win the game. Yeah, he said not so much. 
I've had nightmares about this guy ever since I celebrated when he finally left college. And uh, he's doing the same thing in the NFL. 181 on the ground. Yep. Uh, I don't have his catching numbers, but... Uh, he boy, was two, he two for 18. So he ended up with, what is that, 199 yards total. Jeez. Yeah, no, he was phenomenal. And uh, all my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, Kirk, uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, the Senator, Kirk Cousins. I just don't want people to be fooled by Kirk and the score and thinking that Kirk had a good game. 12 of his 16 completions were on passes under 10 yards, and almost half of his yards were produced by Yak. So don't be fooled. You really went on a deep dive for this yards, Look, these yard stats this, this week. You gave me extra time to prepare, and I prepared. I all right. So You're like, these quarterbacks are all trash. I didn't even give you all of my numbers. I had more numbers I haven't given you. But um, last number I'll say for this one, though. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Justin Jefferson, rookie out of LSU, averaged 11.3 yak yards. They didn't get him the ball in the first two games. They finally decided to get him the ball. They should keep getting him the ball in space so he can make big plays. Yeah, and then did you see that and Adam Thielen touchdown catch? We've that was insane. Yeah, we've only talked about them, but the Titans won by one. Yeah, the Titans ended up winning <laughs> this game. Uh, Derrick Henry, 119 yards on the ground. Uh, good. Not as good as my man Dalvin Cook out of Florida State. Of course. Um, yeah, the Titans are, I don't know what you want me to say. The Titans are for real. Um, I hate the <laughs> Titans as a Jags fan. We should have beaten them if Lambeau wasn't hurt. Yeah. Maybe that goes a little differently. But, I mean, it was a great game, all things considered. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about these teams, I don't think, yet. Because after seeing what happened with the Titans and the Jags and the Vikings looking like utter trash this year, I don't think <laughs> there's been a good barometer of the Titans and what they're capable of. True that, true that. Um, the last thing I will say on this one is uh, some of my brother's tributes is my brother. I don't know if he heard it from somebody, but he said the Titans won their first game by three, second game by two, this game by one, so either they're gonna tie or lose their next game. <laughs> that's so that's cool. Your brother figured that out. That's fun. So yeah. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on in the NFL. Um, this is from last week, Thursday night's game. Uh Fitzmagic strikes again. Uh, by the way, folks, just, this is a now two hour podcast we give you every week. <laughs> we um I just wanted to touch on because we touched on it before the game, but we didn't touch on it uh, after the game. Obviously, this is the first time you and I are hanging out since the uh, Thursday night football game. Yeah. Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars were favored uh, after the game. After the first two weeks, Jaguars actually looked pretty good this year. Um, it's the defense, though. I can't emphasize this enough. Um, what's going on with this defense? It's a young defense. Um, and young normally comes with undisciplined. Again, young doesn't mean bad. Unproven doesn't mean bad. It just means undisciplined. Um, Nothing about the goddamn evil offensive line. How do you have a false start on the goddamn kick? That win the- Sorry, you said undisciplined, and I thought of it. <laughs> um, the penalties, and they're not. It's not a massive amount of penalties. It's just the timing of the penalties, um, and some of them are like we talked about earlier. Uh, with the pass interferences and things like that, where you're kind of like, that's not like, and you have the, the announcers and everyone being like that. I don't know about that call. 
But mm. Fitzpatrick has these games two or three times a year. He'll do it. I mean, he did <laughs> yeah. it against the Saints when he was in Tampa Bay, broke all yeah, sorts of records in the first three games of the season. Um, I was very disappointed that it happened against my team. I was kind of <laughs> hoping he'd wait one more week to pull all this stuff out. But uh, yeah, he I showed mean, he looked, his hair on you guys. Yeah, funny. he and he looked great. He was running around. Mm. After the second time he ran for like 12 yards, I was like, oh, just somebody light him up. And then he won't do that anymore. And it's just, it couldn't happen. <clears throat> I was watching this game at my grandmother's house. Um, and I was so frustrated by the penalties and the, the, the play uh, by the Jacksonville team that I accidentally snapped on my grandma because I was in such a bad mood. <laughs> and she asked me a question and I just lost it. Uh, so this but, is your apology to grandma. Yeah, of course. I love my grandmother <laughs> and she knows that I was just in a bad mood because of the game. And I wasn't really rude. I was just kind of hurrying to get home to watch the second half just so I could, you know, contemplate suicide. Uh, <laughs> but it was, that's a joke. Not funny. funny about that. Mm. Yeah. Got a full disclosure. But uh, it was just, I don't know. I always like to talk about the Jags on this podcast. I love the Jaguars. Um, and we'll go into that a little bit later. About I love that you talked about the Jags because you have enthusiasm about your football team, whereas yeah. I am all doom and gloom. <laughs> well, because my team actually looks like maybe we just had a bad game. You guys yeah. look like you're having a bad season. Yeah, we look like we're just done. Uh, I'll give you the only note I wrote for this. Uh, Fitzmagic was 18 of 20, two touchdowns in the air, one rushing. So he had more touchdowns and incompletions. Defend yourself. You already have. I'm fine. Yeah, it was. I don't know. We'll bounce back. I know we'll bounce back. It's just to have such a young defense. I mean, it's a young team, but to have such a young defense, there's so many mistakes that get made. And it's one of those things where it's just those that were going to happen. It's growing pains that will happen with a young team. But it's uh, it's. Miles Jack, I, I made a joke on the Twitch stream. I was like, if I see Miles, because he comes to my restaurant sometimes, I'm just like, if I see him, I'm just going to ask him very politely, what the hell happened? He came yeah. into uh, my girlfriend's restaurant, though, and I texted Ooh. her, and she goes, I'm not going to say that to Miles Jack. And I said, fine, I'll say it on the podcast. Let's transition now. Let's talk about it. NBA, baby. There's a lot NBA. to talk about here. There's this is going to be a two-hour podcast. Um, yeah. What do you want to do? You want to do the conference finals, the finals preview, or you want to talk Doc Rivers? What do you want to do first? Um, I, I put Doc in quick hits. Um, oh, did you? Okay, I didn't even yeah. I didn't double check that. Okay. Yeah, I put Doc in quick hits. And by the way, folks, we'll discuss in quick hits why you don't hear the third ver voice that was uh, always here with us. Oh, we're going to talk um, about it. Yeah, we're going to get to it. Uh, we're going to tease him across the break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk about Celtics Heat, game six. Celtics you, Heat. Um, I was wrong on this, by the way. I was really wrong. I thought... I, you were wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I honestly, even when they were down, I like, what was it, 3-1? I was like, oh... Yeah. They've got the poise. They'll come back. They'll come back. Gordon Hayward's back. They, they've, they've been through this before. This is their year. They'll, and not at all. I don't know. I, I, I'm flustered. Look, I, I can't talk about the Heat anymore. I picked against them in the Milwaukee series. I picked against them in this series. And they have only lost two games in those supposed seven-game series. Uh, they are good. All right? I said it. They're good. Jimmy Butler, not the, not the, let me rephrase this because I've been saying the wrong thing. Not the best scorer on the team. They have many people who can score in bunches. 
He's not one of those people. He's not really an efficient scorer either, but he is the smartest player on that team. He knows to make the right pass. He plays the defense well. He plays the lane properly. Um, and he knows when to make timely buckets. And one thing he does that Jason Tatum does not do is when the game is on the line, he Bites goes everybody. to the basket. <laughs> oh, okay. He goes to the basket to get buckets because I wrote down here that uh, Tatum had 26 attempts. 10 of those attempts were from 15 plus, And he only made three of those 10. You got to go to the basket. If a coach is always going to tell you, if you're not hitting your shots, be aggressive, go to Dive the basket, to the yep. get easy buckets. You're going to get fouled or it's going to go in. So don't fall in love with the three ball. And when when you got Marcus Smart taking 22 shots and you're fucking close out of game, you're not playing smart. Get Jason Tate. Get Jalen Brown the ball. Jalen Brown yeah. is probably the smartest decision maker. And another been, stat I pulled out. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> another random stat I found uh, because I had so much time to prep. This is only long because I did so much prep, people. I'm sorry. Um, the Celtics were 36% on uncontested field goals. The Heat were 55% on uncontested field goals. If you're not going to make it when you're open, when are you going to make it? Exactly. Yeah, I um, I was wrong. Like I said earlier, I, you know, I knew Hero and Robinson were playing well. I knew Butler had never quite gotten over the hump. I just didn't think they'd have it. Eric Spolster is a great coach. Pat Riley obviously knows what he's doing. I just and did, damn I, out of the Bayou. Yeah, it looks like freaking Shaquille O'Neal out there, man. Man, do you see that stat? Uh, LeBron James has seven. Bam has six, and I think it was Shaquille O'Neal has five games in the playoffs of uh, uh, 20 points, 10 rebounds. I think it might have been the, the oh, finals, wow. conference finals. <clears throat> but it's, I mean, he's playing great. Everyone knew he was going to be a good player. I didn't think he'd be this good of a player. Yeah, no. But And then Hero, obviously, is Hero. He is the yeah. hero of this of this team. All right, it's time for you to get upset and get sad again. <sighs> Look, we came back from 3-1 once. We did it a second time. I didn't think we could do it a third time, but I thought we could at least steal a game. For those of you who don't know, Joe is a huge Denver Nuggets fan, and um, I, in solidarity, bet on the Nuggets friend, to win in friend. five, six, and seven, and we both lost on this one, Joe. Um, you financially, me just emotionally. Um, yeah, it, Jamal got hurt. He had a bones bru- bone bruise uh, by game five. That was apparent. Jokic was getting in foul trouble. The the Lakers to they had Vogel's to pull him credit, in the third, he had four fouls in the third yeah, quarter. To Vogel's credit, he threw uh, Dwight. He started Dwight, and Dwight got under Jokic's skin and under the whole team skin after that shoulder to Millsap's face. But um, yeah, the Lakers are just they're they're the wily old vet. They're tougher. They're they. Not everybody has been there before, but LeBron has been there before, and LeBron has set the template along with Rondo. Um, Dwight, Dwight's been there. Dwight has been there. Uh, yeah, they they really. I mean, JaVel McGee. If we want to say everybody, yeah, if we, if we really, um, yeah. Uh, Danny Jr. Smith has been there before. Jr. Who hasn't played a minute? I think. Uh, <laughs> I know that's why I wanted to say. <laughs> but yeah, no, they um they they taught us a lesson. Um, nothing. Nothing's better. Uh, winning is better, actually. Let me not say nothing's better, but it all. It's always feels good when you're the young team and 
you lose, but then all the guys on the other team like are talking to you. Like you want you want to you want LeBron to be like, hey man, y'all gonna be here for a while. Like that yeah. means something. Like so they'll be that, back next year. Yeah, so that meant something for me just being a fan. Um and I'm rooting for the Lakers. I just wanted to say it. So let's transition into the finals. Yeah. I'm rooting for the Lakers. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't have a dog in this fight. The guy, you know, the teams I wanted to win are all out. Um, I'm interested to see the older age of LeBron and AD mm. going against the younger, the, young the much younger Heat team. So mm. I wrote this down in our rundown. Um, what's what's is it going to be beneficial in the bubble setup because they're not traveling or anything for the younger mm-hmm. team with the fresher legs or for the older team <clears throat> that has a lot more experience i think what the heat have shown us is it's actually this whole situation the short rest before the season restarted uh you know and everyone kind of not knowing what's going on i think the heat have shown us that it's going to benefit the younger team now I, I could be way out on a limb but i think it's just going to be interesting to see because that's an old. The Lakers are an old team. The Lakers are an old team, <clears throat> but the Lakers are not. The Lakers are. The Lakers are an old team, but they are the also the oldest team that this young team is going to see. Um, Giannis and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is older than Giannis. Goran Dragic's thirty four. Um, no, the young I know. Guys but- are Bam, Tyler, and Duncan, and LeBron's going to muscle his way through this series. AD. AD is gonna. It's gonna be an interesting matchup between AD and Don't Bam. Don't forget, AD's ankle's still messed up. His his ankle's messed up, but he's gonna get three days off. Um, they don't play until Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but no, I just who who I think the Heat have more depth thing. as well. It's the same, and I thought the Nuggets have more depth, but it's the yeah. same thing I asked going into that series. Who guards LeBron? That's true. <laughs> say Iguodala and his patchwork. I think Jerry Butler might just punch him in the face. <laughs> I, I don't think that'll even phase LeBron. That's how no, indestructible I, I think this guy is. I was talking to my brother on the phone yesterday, and I, I I had the realization LeBron's about to after this season, and I mean technically this is another season, but he's going to have spent more the same amount of time he has been in the NBA that he was when he wasn't in the NBA. He got in the NBA at 18. He's about to get into his 18th year in the NBA. That's insane. He wait. I wake up and I feel I help somebody move Sunday and my whole body is screaming. LeBron is playing high level basketball. How does he do this? (laughs) I don't know how he does it. I mean, I'm interested to see how the matchup plays out. Um, I, I'm taking the heat. I'm taking the heat because oh I went to school in South Florida and I'm taking the heat. I'm from South Florida. Yeah. So you're a <laughs> trader and we all understand that. But um, I don't know. I, th- I, I, I will talk about it later again, but I, the heat are the underdog. So I'm going to, I'm going to root for the heat just because I always like to see the underdog kick the bully's ass. Um, I'm always, I've always been a fan of storylines and narr- narratives. Uh, I'm a writer as well. Uh, and uh, the Lakers, even before this whole bubble and everything happened, once Kobe passed away, I really was like, uh, well, if you're going to bring Kobe's death into it, then I have to root for the Lakers. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to. But I mean, I'm just saying why I, because I grew up uh, in the Kobe era 
Kobe AI era and Kobe outlasted. Him. I'm not that much older than you, <laughs> but um, Kobe means a lot to me and uh, my brothers. Uh, That's true. Well, when you say it and, like that, I actually kind of want to root for and, the Lakers um, now. Yeah, no, I I would I, when LeBron. I was shocked that they did not invoke his name um, in the post game presser, but um, I would really want them to win it for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you you convinced me for sure. I'm I'm, I'm now changing just my like pick. that. He's on I my want side. The Lakers, yeah. <laughs> and when you bring the Kobe thing up too, because I yeah, you know, I, I to be honest with you, I didn't really think about that part of it, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh wait, because I just because you know LeBron's an awesome player, and I have for an sure. affinity for rooting against those people because <laughs> I don't know. It's just I I go so against front people who are front runners. I go yeah. so anti that that I end up rooting against the people who are great because I'm like, uh, I feel you. I do that as well. But in this situation, it's like, no, you're right. With it's the not whole even like I'm rooting thing for too. the front runner. I'm just rooting for the story. Yeah. Um, that'd be awesome. That'd yeah. be an awesome story. Yeah. Um, and them being friends and yeah, so it'll be just yeah, super cool. That would be cool. Well, let's, let's, let's transition out of this now that we're super down. All right. Quick hits. We should just address this right here because we have to do our own quick hits now. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So to the to the initiated. Um. Initiated, aren't we, Bruce? In our first four episodes, you noticed that. uh, Well, in two of the first four episodes, uh, you knew that Greg L. Greg, the producer, um, would hit us with the quick hits. We got a text this morning saying that. Uh, let me read it verbatim, actually. Yeah, so El Greg would. Um, I'm just while you're looking that up. El Greg yeah. would give us a couple of stats, uh, correct us on certain things if we really screwed up, um, and then he would run the quick hit segment. Uh, he would, you know, help us with the rundown, kind of put all the information in, and then this morning he said, he said. After listening to the last two Thursday episodes, I realized you guys don't even need a producer. So I'm going to bow out of cheers. You guys are best on your own. Now, I love the compliment because, yeah, we are fucking great. We're, we're really good at what I'm we reading do. way too far into this. You're just <laughs> reading this on a surface level. I think I, I have really done something good. to make him upset or you <laughs> have done something to make him upset. And now he's just being polite and being like, nah, I'm good. No, nah, I mean... One, he lives on a different coast than us, so maybe he wants to go to sleep. Maybe he wants to actually enjoy Monday Night Football. Um, yeah, that's true. Watch it all the way through without having to stop and uh, listen to us babble. But, um, yeah, I, I, I liked Greg's presence on the show. Uh, maybe I'm pretty sure he'll come back every now and again. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the he's door's not always open. Here. We'd, we'd, he's love, not we'd love to have him. Uh, on the day-to-day. So, Greg... I will see you Wednesday, and I will have a mouthful for you. I won't say it on the air because I respect you, sir. <laughs> I kid because I love. All right, we quick we kid one. because we love. <laughs> and if it's something that I did, I'm I'm sorry. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Brendan, it's not your fault. Uh, quick hit number one: MLB playoffs begin Wednesday. My Miami Marlins made it in, folks. Yes, we did. Uh, do you want to change any of your picks from a couple weeks ago? No, absolutely not. Gonna win. I'm going with the Dodgers, dude. Dodgers, the Dodgers and the Rays. Dodgers, Rays. Dodgers win. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to change my Cubs pick because now they're playing the Marlins. 
um, and I'm just getting that juju off me. Um, but for again to be counter, be contrarian a bit. I really like watching the Padres. I've watched more Padres. Oh my baseball. god, are you serious? <laughs> it's I the first more- time they made the playoffs in like two decades. Look, look, I've watched a lot of Padre baseball. Manny in third, Tatis at uh, short. You've already um, named more Padres than anyone listening to this podcast <laughs> could name. Will Meyer, who used to be a Ray, is having a good season. Um, I can't remember his name. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Yokov Professor Proskar. He's really good. He's a speedy guy at the top of the lineup. Um, they got good rotations. Clevenger got hurt. Uh, he had a forearm issue. This is not a quick hit at all. Um but I think I think the Padres will make it out of the NL. I think they will meet the Rays. And again, I will stand firm. The Rays will win the World Series because Boom. this is Florida's year. You heard it here first, folks. All right, next one. The SEC started play this past weekend. Yes, I um, there were some big upsets. Uh, I Huge wrote it to upset. you um, in the Slack and the uh, Discord. I uh, Mike Leach, the mad scientist. Yeah. Is um, I know I think I tweeted it. That's what I did. Mike Leach has been known for his unorthodox coaching style, um, uh-huh. his air raid type offense. Uh, that's what bred Gardner Minshew out of Washington State. He is now with uh, Mississippi State out of the SEC, and they upset LSU um, yeah, in a did. big bad way. That big offense way. can move, boy. <laughs> um, and so yeah. That was just my quick hit. The SEC is looking like the SEC football. And I guarantee you tomorrow, if you told LSU they could fill that stadium up, you would have 100,000 people there, uh, <laughs> coronavirus or not. Screw the pandemic. Christ Boy, this is dead. the South. We play ball around here. Um. Uh. So if, if you know, I'm not watching college sports, college football. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not going to watch college basketball either, honestly. Um, unless they anybody? do what they're talking about. Um, but Mike Leach for years was told, uh, you're doing that in the Big 12. There's no defense. You're doing that in the Pac-12. There's no defense. You can't do that in the ACC. And then he had that quarter, this grad transfer from Stafford put up, I believe, over 600 yards yeah. on an LSU big-time Out SEC of defense. What, what LSU always calls himself, DBU? Yeah, what's yeah. up? Put up 600 yards, which I found hilarious. And um, even though I'm not watching college sports, there's two teams I will always laugh at. One of those is Oklahoma losing to Kansas State. And the other is Florida State Seminoles. My Hurricanes, I'm so mad that I'm not watching. And we finally got a quarterback that is halfway decent, if not. Houston, man. What was it? 55 to like nine? 52 to 10. That was close. Put a hurt. Yeah, you were close. Put a hurting on their head. I'm not watching, but you know I'm relishing just an FSU week where we throttle them. So yeah, it was bad. You got on here the uh, WNBA finals preview. Full disclosure: I am not following the WNBA. So you want to touch on this? Just going to touch on this real quick. Seattle Storm beat the Lynx uh, to go to the WNBA finals. The Aces, Las Vegas Aces, and the. Connecticut Sun play tomorrow, uh, game five. They've been trading one for one uh, back and forth. Uh, the Aces have the MVP of this, the bubble, uh, league, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Um, Asia Wilson. Um, I think they will win, and I think they'll meet the storm. 
And I am biased to the storm because the storm has Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. And they, them two together, Brianna coming off an injury last year, them two together are unstoppable, it feels like. So, yeah. Good stuff. WNBA talk. I want to uh, throw something in here. Uh, next one we're going to talk about is Doc Rivers. But before we do that, um, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, we called it. They won the uh, Stanley yes. Cup tonight. Full disclosure, we're recording this. Uh, we started recording around midnight, or excuse me, around 1130 uh, Sunday night, or excuse me, Monday night. So the um, Stanley Cup uh, was game five, I believe. Six. It's game six, excuse me. It was yeah, game yeah. six, and uh, Tampa Bay took care of business. I yeah, thought it was did. interesting because uh, Ben Bishop was actually traded from Tampa Bay to the Dal- to Dallas um, when they saw how good uh, Vasquez uh, Vassy, that's his nickname, how good he was <laughs> when tried. he filled in when Ben Ben Bishop was hurt. Um, Vaskalevsky. Uh but uh I thought I honestly thought uh Tampa was gonna win. I know Joe, you said the same thing. And I wanted to throw it in here in quick hits because that game just ended a little while ago. Yeah. They presented the trophy to Steven Stamkos, even yes, though he only played for that. Yeah, that he only played that what two minutes and like twenty seven seconds. Yeah, where he got a goal in. He did get a goal. Um, and but they his- said earlier today, um, I think it was today or yesterday that they ruled him out. Because remember, me and you were saying, yeah, uh, going we were talking game about five. That. They said they weren't playing him. So yeah, we were early, like, are they gonna? Try earlier to today, his lower it was just labeled lower body injury yeah, was too just much. Ruled so ruled him out for the rest of the series, and, and then they, they finished it today. Yeah, Kucherov had all the stats, uh, all the stats that you could possibly want. But I just wanted to touch on that because that just happened tonight a little earlier. And I know we were talking about it. So we are the Thunder. Go Lightning, baby. Yes. Uh, What's his name? Vassy. Just call him Vassy. 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 22 of 22 on saves. Um, Shout out to Lightning. I got mad uh, friends and fam uh, from Tampa in Tampa and uh, excited for them, even though they can't go celebrate technically. Yeah. Pretty awesome though. Like that's and gonna stop people in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, have you gonna been to Tampa? The and they're gonna double back with the Rays, so they'll have another opportunity. They're gonna be drunk from now until the Rays win. Pretty much. <laughs> All right, Doc. Uh, we had a Woolwich <laughs> bomb happen while both of us were at work, I believe. Yes, sir. Uh, Doc, Rivers I was, was literally like, walking uh, into the restaurant, and I was really? like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I was literally watching around the horn on my phone at work, and then the notification came through, and then my brother's, our group chat started buzzing, and uh, Doc Rivers has been let go by the Clippers. Big move. So they brought in uh, Baron Davis, wasn't it? Wasn't it? And uh, They brought in Baron Davis? No, I'm sorry. I misspoke. Oh, I was like, wait, what? I didn't see that tweet. We're going to cut all this in post. No, they, <laughs> no, <that's> um, <laughs> no, when Doc, God damn it. When Doc, uh, so Doc originally was the GM and the coach, correct? Yes. He had full autonomy. And yeah, then they took they that away from him like Daniel two years Sterling. ago, didn't they? Yeah. After and the whole Donald did- Sterling thing, he assumed basically all everything. And then, um, yeah, they gave the GM ship to somebody who was like a seasoned GM or something. Like okay. That. Um, yeah, so I think I, w- I was just blown away because everyone was saying oh, it's the first year with uh, PG-13 PG and Kawhi. Yeah, and so I assumed that it wasn't going to work. I don't know if anybody else was listening to this podcast, but I had the Nuggets in that series. Um, I did and I just well. I just thought, yeah, I just thought they'd bring him back, though. I mean, it's the first year of all this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know he's had his opportunities with Lob City and Blake and Chris Paul and all that, but 
um, it's interesting, man. Doc is a in, Doc has had an interesting coaching career. He he was there for seven years, never got out of the second round. Um, excuse me. Uh, he only got to. I mean, he made his bones with the Boston team that of Pierce, Ray Allen, Garnett. Excuse me. He made his bones with the Orlando Magic, but he made continue. his bones with the Orlando Magic and could never get out of the first round with Tracy McGrady. And then he remade his bones. Oh, <laughs> Joe coming off the Celtics. top, bro. Um, and and then he, re- I mean, he made the playoffs his first year there, and then didn't make the playoffs again until Paul Pierce uh, was able to. Help them amass Ray Allen and KG, and then, but he's the only coach who has now lost three uh, three one series, and he only has final appearances with those Celtics teams. So I don't. I mean, you hate to see somebody who has love for the game, obviously, passion for the game, obviously, good at X and O's, but without that big three, he has not gotten over the hump. Yeah. So, I mean, he had an opportunity with CP3, Blake, and DeAndre Jordan, even though I don't think DeAndre Jordan that good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Warriors came out of nowhere and just blew right past Ruined them. it for everybody. Yeah, pretty much. They fast-forwarded the, the new era of the NBA. 100%. It's weird. I wonder where he's going to end up. <clears throat> Doc is out, though. Doc Rivers is out. Doc is out there. Doc is out there. I wonder. I'm, it's interesting this happens now because some of the coaching positions we've seen filled, I wonder what would happen if they had the chance to hire Doc. Like Billy Donovan went to Chicago. Yeah. David o went to New York. Uh, Steve Nash went to the Knicks, the Nets. Sorry. Um, sorry, Steve. I don't want to wish that on you. That's just bad juju. Um, but, yeah, I, I wonder what would have uh, – if any of those jobs would have been filled by Doc over those guys. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I mean, he'll end up somewhere. He's a great coach. Uh, just it's weird. Like you said, he's got so much passion for the game, but then just can't can't yeah. make it all come to fruition. <clears throat> all right, so, folks. Quick hits are over. This is awkward bow, because bow, bow, we used to have... Oh, wait, us. you put the sounders in in post. Sorry. Yeah, this is awkward because we used to have somebody uh, navigate off of the quickets. Uh, Greg, we miss you. Um, so we're going to get into the uh, walk-offs. Uh, Brennan, you've been teasing it to me since yeah. Thursday. You've been teasing it to the listeners all episode. Yeah. Give us the underdog. Um, so uh, we were... Um we were talking about something last week uh, about uh, just like my passion for the Jaguars and things like that. And then as uh, <clears throat> as the day was kind of going on, I was thinking to myself, why is it that I have this weird um, affinity, um, this weird you know obsession with the underdog? So I was thinking about it while I was driving and then it kind of just hit me. So that's what my walk off is about. Um, so it's kind of a personal story about why I always root for the underdog and what I find so fascinating about the underdog. So it is uh, titled Brennan Tassif, a true underdog story. I've always been the guy that would root for the underdog. And it has a lot to do with the fact that my whole life I've been an underdog. It started when I was a young boy and has followed me through my entire life. It's not a bad thing. In fact, quite the opposite. Being an underdog makes your great accomplishments that much greater. The main downside is, is those accomplishments, while glorious, are few and far between. If they were not, you would just be the favorite. 
My passion for the underdog started when I was incredibly young. In elementary and middle school, I was constantly bullied. I also suffered crippling anxiety and depression. This was a terrible combination that made even the most seemingly easy days difficult to bear. I found myself being able to... I found myself being able to relate to teams that everyone dismissed or spoke poorly about because I felt that way in my own life. I felt like the personification of the little guy. Growing up, my family was huge Ohio State fans and still is. And at times I would find myself rooting against them, especially when they would play smaller schools just to beat up on them. I always felt like the smaller schools getting pounded on by the bigger, more attractive, more well-known schools were like bullies at my school. This trend would continue into high school. Yes, I was on the football team, but was always just below the undoubtable starters. I was bullied by many of my teammates just because they thought it was entertaining. I found it easier to just take the constant hazing than to fight back and get beat up even worse. That did happen once or twice. I made varsity, I made my way onto varsity by scrapping, clawing, and working hard. I was also an international baccalaureate student, but was never the smartest kid in any class. I was viewed by most teachers as an underdog. The only classes I excelled in were histories and social so, uh, social studies. Everything else, I was I was simply happy to pass. That is the thing about always being the underdog. You will have to lose an awful lot. I would do just that: lose, fail, fall off the horse, however you want to put it. Constantly turns uh, constantly turns out being an IB was too much. In my senior year, I dropped down to AP and honors classes. While you might think this is a surprisingly good accomplishment, I viewed it as a failure. Once again, the bigger, stronger thing in my life—in this case, it was school—had beaten me. After high school, I really wanted to play football, but I wanted to play D1 football or not at all. As I said earlier, it was the top of the pyramid or nothing at all. At this point in 2006, most Division I football teams were or already had transitioned into a spread type offense. You know, the one team Tim Tebow and Chris Leak won the national championship with under Urban Meyer. This made it incredibly difficult for me to find a home in college football. I had played offensive line my entire high school career and was way too small to play O-line at the D1 level. Not athletic enough to play the slot and too short to play tight end. I was six foot one, 219 pound kid with no speed, but a lot of strength. I was unwavered, and with the help of my uncle, we sent out over 100 letters to D1 schools of uh, with my highlight DVD from high school. This is a story about being an underdog, though. So naturally, most schools did not respond, and those that did told me I could try out once the season started if I was accepted to the school. A few big-name schools that I had gotten accepted to did everything short of laughing at me when I corresponded with the coaching staff, except one. There was a small Division I school in Boca Raton, Florida, that ran a pro-style offense. When you think pro-style, think old-school, smash-mouth, single-cut offense. It made sense because this school's head football coach was an old-school guy himself, Howard Schnellenberger, or as we more affectionately called him, Schnelldog. One major factor in a pro-style offense is a fullback, which is a blocking back for the most uh, for the most part. A little more athletic than an offensive lineman, but not as big, but still as strong, which is exactly what I was. I had found a home. After meeting with the coaching staff, I was told that I would not be on full scholarship, but I would not have to try out and they would cover my books and meal plan. I was on my way, but quickly found out the new meaning of the word underdog when I arrived. At FAU, I was surrounded by true Division I scholarship athletes, future NFL players, and the like. The meaning of underdog was never clearer than my first day of practice. At this point, however, it was something I was used to, always being counted out. I worked so extremely hard for the first few months. A lot of people talk about changing their life when they get to college. I did not talk about it. I did it. I did not take any crap from anyone. I was no longer bullied. I was in the weight room twice a day and did well in all my classes. 
on the field, I would constantly get blown up and I had a tremendous amount of catching up to do. But in every aspect of my life, I was no longer an underdog. I felt like the 2004 Detroit Pistons vanquishing the mighty Shaq Kobe Lakers. I had done the impossible and changed my life. This would be a great walk-off if I said, then the music swelled, everyone lived happily ever after, roll credits. But if the Shawshank Redemption taught us anything, that life is no fairy tale. And in this part of the story, the hero does not make it out okay. But this is a story about being an underdog, so you already knew that. Halfway into my sophomore year, I was once again concussed. Comes with playing fullback. At the time of my injury, the NFL was amid a massive lawsuit with ex-players about CTE, brain damage, and concussions. I was a scout team player that had no business being on a Division I football team in the first place. I was told by the medical staff it was no longer in my best interest medically to pursue football. It was my eighth documented concussion, and with everything going on in the football world surrounding concussions, I decided to heed the advice given to me and left the team. With student loan debt mounting up, a crazy practice schedule, and not being able to work during the season, I made a decision. It was the hardest thing I had done um, in my life up to that point. I had changed my life for the better at FAU, and football was the reason for that change. FAU football took me from feeling like the 0-16 Lions to the Super Bowl winning Green Bay Packers. I could hold my head up high and take control of a room because I was filled with the confidence of a Division One athlete. And just like that, in a three-minute conversation, with tears running down my face, it was gone. I was smashed and broken. I had what I thought was nothing to strive for. My Grades began to suffer. All the energy I once dumped into film sessions, weight training, conditioning, and practice was now replaced with partying, drinking, and drugs. I have a naturally addictive personality, and I was so devastated without football, I began to spiral out of control. My life went on like this for years, barely getting by, just surviving. At first, I found comfort in the romanticism that is doomed youth. Then I got arrested more, got into fights constantly, became alienated from my family, and could hardly remember the previous day's events. I found out one simple fact. I hated myself. I hated the person that I had become. Who would have thought that football could mean so much to someone, especially a person who wasn't very good at it? So in 2013, I started on what would be the greatest underdog story of all time. I tried to get sober. I say tried because it took a lot more than one trip to rehab to get my life back on track. From 2013 to 2018, there were periods of sobriety, always followed by an even worse relapse. That didn't happen. The shining moment, you know, the one I'm talking about, like, and remember the Titans when coach Boone gives the big Gettysburg speech and you know, it's all going to work out or in the replacements when Keanu Reeves walks into the locker room as Shane Falco looks at Gene Hackman and he says, what took you so long? And then he just smiles and replies with traffic. When Kawhi Leonard hits a crazy buzzer beater to advance the Raptors to the NBA finals and something inside you knows that this is fate. It's more, uh, excuse me, it's in that moment and any underdog story when the audience thinks maybe, just maybe, it's all going to be okay. For me, it came a few days after my 30th birthday when I was rushed to the emergency room by a dear friend because he found me at home almost entirely unresponsive. As someone who has always been an underdog, I know it's easy to lose sight of what's important. And that's what I had done. I was 30 with no clear path or direction. So I drank and drank and drank and accidentally gave myself alcohol poisoning. But just like that, and just like in any great underdog story, I was given one last chance to make things right. If you were to ask anyone that is close to me, if I would be here now, they would all say you were crazy. But that's the best part about being the underdog. You can do nothing but surprise people. I lost an awful lot in my journey to get here. A wonderful fiance, now ex, countless jobs, friendships, and the and the most important thing, time. 
now like the end of to any miraculous Cinderella fairy tale, fairy tale story. I have over two and a half years sober, a wonderful relationship with a loving girlfriend. I am pursuing my dream of stand-up comedy and I get to do a podcast with, at the time it said two pretty awesome dudes, but now it's just one. About something so close oh, to my man. life, sports, and everything I will always be and will always root for the underdog. Because as the great poet 50 Cent once said, sunny days wouldn't be special without the rain, and joy wouldn't feel so good without the pain. And now we can roll credits. Well, oh man. Uh, so I'm going to have the epilogue. But uh, that was pretty fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm proud that you were able to muscle through all those tears. It was long, but when we were, I was just like, I, I you am gotta an get underdog. It out, man. I was like, you I gotta was, get it out. I was like, but it's weird because like I read it to my girlfriend and I was like, I think this might be too much. And she goes, well, I mean, I like it. And I was like, yeah, but you know me. I like it. I like, I loved all the uh, references in there. You yeah, got I was like, Howard Schnellenberger, uh, you connection for me. You got in the 04 Piston Nut uh, yeah. Liquor Series. You got in the 016 Lions. I'm uh, glad you caught all these because <laughs> as I was writing it, because I, I was putting those in there and I was like, because I reference sports movies all the time too. Like I've got a line from Jerry Maguire where he's like, I've realized one simple fact. I hated myself. And I've like used a bunch mm -hmm. of like lines from movies and stuff I put in there. I and then I was like, one. I was like, this is going to be way more sports related than most people are going to catch on the yeah, first go. Yeah, I was like, no, it's really good. You were able to weave it. You wove a tapestry that was masterful, my friend. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I just, I really love the underdog and that's what, and it took me a while to kind of figure it out. And then I, it just hit me last week. I was like, oh, I'm the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always funny when you have that aha moment. Yeah, I was like, I get it. All right. um, I had a bit of an aha moment uh, myself the other day. You, you, you sent me that text on Thursday saying that you got yours. And I was like, man, I feel I don't plan on writing these until like Sunday night. <laughs> um, and then I found myself Friday after having a conversation with my brother on Thursday afternoon. And uh, the words came to me kind of in the same way they came to you. And my uh, walk off this week is titled Feel Good. As the country burns in more ways than one, as the bulk of us are still inside because of a global pandemic, we look for solace in other places. As I write this, as I wrote this, the Nuggets had been on a magical run, now over. Uh, the Marlins were in the hunt for the playoffs. We made it after 17 years. Uh, Fulham have won the Championship League playoff final and are back in the Premier League. Lost again today. Um <laughs> And uh, the Eagles and the Canes have kicked off. One of those teams are doing well. Um, and these are all different levels of feel good. But on most days, I don't always feel good. I and folks around me have felt a baseline of depression. And the Jags-Dolphins game didn't help. Uh, <laughs> also, what doesn't help is the state of the justice system and their blatant disrespect for black people. Breonna Taylor was 26. I sit here speaking to you, you listening to me. I am 26. I live in a house with two friends. So if the police were to mistakenly come to my house and murder me, there's no neighbor's wall that the bullets would go through for the officer to get indicted. I enjoy feel good just as much as the next fan. I get into every game. I hang on every shot. Every pitch, every touchdown, every goal. And then the post game, I just like the players know that the feel good is over. 
It lasts just as long as the time is on the clock. But when it hits zero, reality sets in. They, unlike the politicians we elect, have probably answered more questions about racial injustice than have been that have been plaguing this country for centuries that some are just now becoming aware of. Some tell them to shut up and dribble. And you know what? I'm pretty sure they would like to. But we keep dying and people in power always seem to be the ones that keep shutting up. This is not me shaming you or telling you not to enjoy your feel good. I'm just jealous because I wish I could too. That's good, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's weird um, how sports in general can be a place of happiness and great joy and then can just turn around and you're like, oh, now we're all back to it. Yeah. I was going to say the Nuggets win game seven. I'm elated. And then I wake up the next day and just try to figure out what tragedy is going to fuck me up for the next 24 hours. Yeah, it's it's insane because, I mean, I talked about it in my first walk off. It's, you know, sports a lot of times can bring people together and it's sad. Yeah, that, that's why I loved your first walk off. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's just sad that we can't be like you even said it after the walk off. You were like, you know, if only we could pull that into real life more often. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. Man. So we're ending on, right. a, on a sad <laughs> note for both of us. So, I uh, cried. You had, you you know, I, I choked up there. If I would have wrote uh, two more sentences, I think I would have like my knees buckled at one point. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> when I first read it to my girlfriend, I, it took me a while to get through it because I, I kept. Because, you know, it's hard to talk about that, some of that stuff. And I don't think anyone listens to this podcast, even though I know people do. (laughs) But when I'm just talking to you and I've got my, you know, screen pulled up to, for my walk off, I'm not even really looking at you. Yeah. So it's fine. But then I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen back to this and be like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Good episode. Let's get the press conference. Uh, Where can we find you, Brennan? Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get going. This is gonna be two hours. Um, I'm at Brennan T Comedy on all social media. Brennan B R E N N A N T Comedy, all one word. Brennan T Comedy dot com. I got some dates coming up here in Jacksonville, Florida. So check out my website for all hey. my dates coming up. And uh, yeah, that's it. Brennan T Comedy. Follow me on Instagram. Apparently, I'm not a public figure, according to my girlfriend, because I have <laughs> under a thousand followers. Joe. Uh, also, uh, wait, wait, your other podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I do have another podcast I do with uh, comedy friends um, and friends of mine. It's called Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. Um, so I'm sober now, but I like to hash out old drinking stories with friends and I like them to share some of their embarrassing and fun moments. So you can check that out. It's either me with a buddy talking about old drinking stories or me just ranting and raving about sports and politics and religion and dumb stuff it's called <laughs> brennan tassif is your ex drinking buddy thanks for reminding me of my no other problem, podcast bud. show <laughs> uh it's done for me so much more than you think on some other shows uh some of those other shows i'm so mad greg's not here because i have to promote every show on our network um listen to me on a new low with four other uh co-hosts that are i can say this because none of them are going to listen to this jerks um i can second that because the <laughs> They are not nice people. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at a new low pod. You can watch us live on Wednesday at uh, a new low pod on Twitch. You can see Brennan with us uh, in that fun dynamic on Thursdays at a new low pod on Twitch. Those episodes are released on Friday. That's what I'm saying.
I was just gonna say the not so happy hour on Thursday. That's when I'm there, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who does a podcast, which is a podcast I do with my co-host Kyle Loader. Uh, it's a Hamilton-based podcast where we review, rank, and uh, give our thoughts and opinions on every song on the Hamilton soundtrack as we go from one to forty-six. Uh, it's a great show, very fun. At who does a pod on uh, all the socials? Um, me personally, I'm uh, at Joe Dorville on all the socials. Uh, I have a rap album out called TV Headphone Joe No O No E, and I can't forget uh, we just a new load just released their uh, latest show on the network, uh, Miss Misbehavior Journal Club, uh, featuring two scientists, uh, female scientists, and. Uh, they break down things. I didn't get the copy to promote it, but I just thought I should promote it. So, Brennan, sign us off, please. That's why we play the game. Hello. Hello.